Hi, Dr. Hamish Fernando. Good morning, Dr. Yangno. And hi to all our listeners to the Bioman Unreviewed, a podcast where Hamish and I, lecturers at the University of Sydney, chat about various aspects about biomedical engineering, but not necessarily in a factual manner, but more from our personal observations and experiences, and by no means peer-reviewed. Because, well, who has time for that during a conversation? So, so let me start off with another joke here. Why did the doctor laugh at the x-ray of an arm? Because the doctor found it the humorous. <laughs> I, I was going to say something about a funny <laughs> bone. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think any, any joke about the arm that's medically related, I think the term humorous will come into play there. Ab- absolutely. So uh, whenever I'm doing group projects with anyone who's doing anatomy or anything and I ask them to come up with team names, yeah. if it's anatomy, they yeah, almost undoubtedly come up with something to do with humorous. <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's try and be a bit more original than humorous. Before they even start their team names, I'm like, all right, let's just not put humorous into it but because I've heard that a million times <laughs> so so let, let's let's talk about x-rays while we're talking about humorous and while we, while we sort of started with the x-ray joke here and x-ray being one of only two things that start with the letter x for primary school students along with the word xylophone right yeah um so uh, i haven't had too much personal experience with x-rays si- um, simply because i haven't had too many sort of medical cases where I've had to go through an x-ray myself. I haven't had any broken bones or haven't had any sort of dental issues yet, right? Uh, fingers crossed that continues to be the case. But I always found x-rays fascinating in the sense that you can look into someone's bone structure without opening them up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was the like a key shift in uh, diagnostic medicine when they mm-hmm, first came mm-hmm. up with it and realized the potential uh, mm. of x-rays, the mm. fact that you could do that. And just... Uh, a quick add-in, when you mentioned you haven't had too much experience with x-rays, I think I'll make up for that with the amount of experience <laughs> I've had. I've broken so many bones, had so many fractures, had so many issues with uh, like my tooth being knocked out during a basketball game oh. and you know, just making sure it's being fixed. I've taken multiple x-rays there. Uh, in my um, PhD, I was working with DEXA machines, so I right. did with x-rays there, so yeah. Uh, I'll totally make up for that, so don't worry. Right, <laughs> yeah. probably talks to how different our sort of how my lifestyle is more sedentary and your lifestyle is more active. <laughs> P- possibly, maybe I don't know. <laughs> also, a bit more stupid because one of the times I actually uh, fractured, I was completely broken, was split into my uh, ulna. Oh. Was um, I was at my I was just about to leave for Malaysia for my undergraduate degree. I remember, mm. and my friends challenged me to do box jumps onto my balcony wall. Oh. After a little bit of alcohol. Right, right, right. So, yeah, that didn't go well. I fell off the balcony <laughs> and, yeah, was just completely shattered. Oh, no. That was, oh, a, no. yeah, that was. How long did that take to recover? Quite a while. It was two, three months before I was even able to take the cast off. And even then, it wasn't fully back to normal. Right. I needed to uh, really be careful. For right. So, l- let's say you've broken a bone and you realize that you've broken a bone, or someone else has realized that you've broken a bone, and then you get obviously go to the hospital, right? Yeah. And then. Is the first thing that you do take a picture of an x-ray or is it fill out some paperwork and then go to take an x-ray? Uh, at the time, I had to go to one of the public hospitals in Sri Lanka, uh-huh, the uh-huh. government hospital. So um, the first thing I had to do was do some paperwork because uh, there was just a long queue at the time. Right. But the private hospitals, the queue, queues were much bigger. So actually got oh. everything done faster for us. Um, but yeah, I had to kind of fill out a little bit of paperwork to start with. With your broken arm? 
mean, I had uh, I had my partner at the time, with uh, 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 so uh, uh, she filled uh, uh, out uh, my paperwork. Right, uh, that, she that's was quite angry with me because uh-huh. she warned me. She knew what I was trying to do, uh, and uh, before uh, she uh. went out, she was she warned me not to do it while I was writing a set. As soon as right. I went, my friends were like, "She's gone. Do it, do it, do it." <laughs> and yeah, she was not very happy, but yeah. It was horribly painful, it right? Crazy, but uh, yeah, I got my X-rays done. And, and what did you see in the X-ray? Uh, uh, complete, like the bone, the ulna at uh-huh. the distal end uh-huh. had uh-huh. completely broken, like it right. was split. I had to actually like near the wrist, right? Near yeah, the near the wrist. I was, uh, I had to be put under. I had to put be put under general oh, anesthesia really? because they needed to realign the bone because oh, the no. bones were complete. They were misaligned, oh, so it couldn't oh. heal. Oh. Yeah, so to be put under. So je- anesthesia also something I've experienced about three or four times in my life. Yeah, maybe we'll so. talk about that later on um, <laughs> in, in, in a future episode of the podcast. Yeah. Right, and so, like, is in x-rays, we, we hear about how generally it works, right? It, it, there's a radiation source, mm-hmm. right, where it fires off x-rays, right? It, it's, it's one of those different types of radiation along with visible light, infrared light, uh, UV light, uh, ultraviolet light and gamma rays and x-ray is one of them and it's it's for those that are more un- that that understand some of the concepts behind electromagnetic radiation right it's sort of on the higher end of mm. the energy spectrum right so it, it's i think it's after ga- gamma rays that it's it's just before gamma rays just if so in terms of the strength in terms of the, the energy, energy energy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. gamma rays are higher gamma rays the highest yeah. and then it's x-rays and it's x-rays yeah right yeah so it, it, it's fascinating how the name X-rays came into being as well because, like, it, someone observed some sort of radiation that was happening, which they didn't know about. They just didn't so know like about it. They just threw in X because you know the algebraic expression X is just like we don't know what this is. So yeah, yeah, X. yeah. Um, and and so let, let's let's think about how X-rays work. Um, and basically, it relies on these radiations or, or let's say these waves, electromagnetic radiation, right? Um, to pass through your body, mm-hmm. right? And there are parts of the body where X-rays can pass through quite readily. Mm-hmm. And there are parts of the body that the X-rays can't pass through readily. right? And as they pass through, they interact with a film on the other end or some sort of paper or some sort of um, recipient end or some sort of sheet on the other side. And depending on the interaction between the X-ray and that sheet, let's say it's if it's a film negative, right? Um, it generates an image based right. on whether the light has passed through that particular location or not. Right. right? And, and so I know that it's basically when it was not necessarily invented, discovered, when it was mm-hmm. discovered, apparently just one year to really revolutionize the medical diagnostics, right? When when William Röntgen, right, the guy that dis- discovered, discovered yeah, x-rays discovered and, and published uh, his findings, uh, the surgeons and the medical practitioners at the time pretty much saw the impact or the potential impact that this discovery had pretty much straight away mm-hmm. right? in terms of medical diagnostics, being able to see what the bone looks like really without opening someone up. Right. Yeah, so, um, and it, funnily enough, it's not just the uh, physicians, the clinicians mm, and the scientists mm, mm, that mm, found mm. the use of it. A lot of people found... Uh, f- other, I suppose, fun ways to use x-rays, unfortunately, as well. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to that, it's also funny how it was just discovered in such an accidental way. Like, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. brings me back to penicillin. Oh, how yeah. many scientific <laughs> discoveries have, have, you know, have changed? I mean, antibiotics, penicillin, and then we've got x-rays, diagnostics. 
it's amazing that it's almost it's like just, a lottery. <laughs> yeah, it just and and it's so lucky that the person who happened to see this happened to be a scientist because mm. the scientist would look at it and be like, hmm, what's that? I need to figure figure out what that is. Mm-mm, you know, I need to figure mm-mm. out why that's happening. <laughs> so they didn't just stop there; they mm-mm. wanted to know more. Mm. Who knows how many times in the past it might have been accidentally seen where the person mm-mm. just you know. Mm. Having said that, though, like it's in the initial discovery of X-rays had to well the predicate of this is the development of these tubes these the um, cathode ray tubes, cathode ray tubes yeah. that i guess some other people have managed to make prior exactly right? yeah and then that that became the, like the source of different types of radiation right and so i guess it wouldn't have been too long in history when people have started like True. to play with x-rays right mm-hmm. um, yeah. well at least in in a relatively controlled manner, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm sure there's x-rays flying around in the general environment as well, like yeah. from decaying materials. But yeah, with, with x-rays, uh, with, with, with Röntgen's discovery of that, yeah, as you said, it happened to be a scientist that found that, right? And then one of the interesting things that I noticed what he did was he basically took an x-ray of his wife's hand with, 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 ring, with ring the ring on, on it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it clearly showed that you could see the, the dark bone right mm-hmm. uh, on the piece of paper is it paper I'm not entirely sure what 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 kind of sheet he he projected the X-ray onto. It uh, was some phosphorescent sheet. Uh, if it yeah. was, uh, I can't remember exactly. Would be some special is. chemical sheet that reacts yeah. with uh, radiation. Yeah, right? and I just want to take a moment here because yeah. we take X-rays for granted. Can you imagine the f- like because. They, at that time, ob- obviously, they didn't know what X-rays could do. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine mm-hmm. just looking at su- through someone's hand like that and seeing the the bone structure? What mm-hmm. that must have, it would. I mean, can you imagine? Would it be like magic? It would be like, <laughs> whoa! <laughs> I can actually see through your head. I mean, it would have been so cool, right? I mean, right, right. now we always see. It, yeah, so yeah. It's like whatever. But yeah. first time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I I think they were trying to make X-ray goggles as well to, <laughs> to help people see through. <laughs> yeah, they they made it a fun time, fun thing. There were yeah. these little, like you said, um, not not just X-ray goggles. There was this actual thing that I think Thomas Edison made, where you could just put something on, put somebody else's hand in front of an X-ray source, and then just see right through their hand or something like that. Right. Which obviously was horrible because not only <laughs> are you being exposed, is your somebody's hand being exposed to X-rays, your eyes are being exposed to X-rays yeah. as well. So that went yeah. away really soon. But, uh, like, to me, at that time, just the hubbub that would have caused, not mm-hmm. just among scientists, mm-hmm. but by anyone who could mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. But, yeah, uh, you were talking about the whole sort of dangers of X-rays just then, or the potential dangers of X-rays, and, and, like, the lack of understanding behind those X-rays at the time. And mm. we'll talk about this later, how the X-rays can actually cause cancer, right? Mm. Um, yeah, the, that lack, lack of understanding um, could have, had consequences, I guess, if, if we were to continue developing X-ray goggles without any safety uh, Absolutely. Uh, mechanisms. Yeah, and so to tie into the safety issues, when we look at exactly how mm. the X-rays cause that, uh, the difference in contrast that you see in the sheet that mm. you develop. Mm-mm-mm. So um, that's because um, of I be- uh, what I believe the term is radiological density of the yeah, different ra- structures yeah. yes, in your yes, body. Yeah. So that depends on, of course, the density and the atomic number. Yes, uh, it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so one of the things that I do actually as part of my research mm-hmm. um, is that I do make implantable materials or, or, or I, I engineer implantable materials that are similar to bone. But one of the target 
properties that I try to do with these materials is to try to make them more radio dense than bone, right? Right. So, uh, like metals are much more radio dense inherently because of their atomic density, but with materials that are meant to interface with bone, they need to be somewhat similar to the bone chemical structure, right? right? Because you want that sort of biological integration, the chemical integration, which you don't get with, let's say, pure metals. Mm -hmm. And so if you're starting off with, let's say, a material like calcium phosphate or calcium silicate, which is chemically similar to bone and, and chemically friendly to bone, right? But radiologically speaking, because the chemical structures are quite similar, right? right you get very little differentiation in these X-ray pictures, right? right. If you just okay. have, if you put a chunk of calcium phosphate, porous calcium phosphate, into bone, right, and look at under X-ray, it's very difficult to, to distinguish between bone and the and that calcium phosphate material. Absolutely, and you want there to be a difference. And you want that you want, to, you want there to be, be yeah. a difference because you want to also see if one the material is being resorbed or getting going dissolved, being dissolved in the body, mm -hmm. right. And two, to see if the surrounding bone is actually integrating into the material as well. Right. Right. And, and so you want to see that radio density. And, and as you mentioned, that dense, the radio density or the radio opacity, right, that's the sort of more technical term for it, is primarily dependent on the element, right, ele the elemental composition right. uh, that the material has. And so, Yang, could you take a second just to explain maybe how um, the how that determines uh, the radiological density, like the atomic number? How does it yeah. come into it? How does it influence the X rays? The X rays themselves. Right. So, so I'm not entirely sure. That's the, it goes down to the whole physics domain, okay. right? Um, and, and I'll have to sort of postulate here in the sense that really it's it's the absorption profiles of these elements, right? And and, and at the atomic level, right? right. And so, um, X rays pass through or, or try to pass through these materials and depending on the element size right, or the atomic size of the element right, and, and the general density of the material as well, so if it's porous versus solid, mm -hmm. yeah. right, it, it either absorbs the X-ray so it doesn't let the X-rays pass through or it lets the X-rays pass through. Right. So right. the density, it makes sense. The porous, uh, like yep. obviously the more porous it is, the more yep. likely X-rays so air, 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 air itself has a very low X-ray absorption uh, coefficient, which is why the lungs appear so dark on an X-ray because yeah. there's very little. Right, that's uh, as if the film negatives are used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so with the atomic number, I suppose from what you said, it might be because is it because there's just so many, there's so much more. There's, like so, there's so much more electrons yeah, yeah. and protons yeah, and yeah. neutrons and all yeah. there to block. Yeah. yeah. The, oh right. Okay. So yeah. it's also something connected to density, I suppose, like from an atomic perspective. Yeah, so again, it goes down to the sort of the more physics domain, so I, right. I, I, won't, I won't embarrass myself here, okay. right? But just the general, let's say, if you want to call it trend, is that the heavier the element, mm -hmm. right, the more it's able to absorb the X-ray. Um, right. and, and so it allows less X-rays to pass through, right? right? And so the heavier the material uh, or heavier the element and, and the more dense the material it is, right? Depends on if it's a negative or a positive film sheet. Like it, in the general sense of the negative that we see in, in the clinic, it'll come up as like bright white. Yeah. yeah okay. The more, so more dense the material. Yeah. So we're looking at something like bone. Then bone is not only structurally um, quite dense, but also I guess what it's made up of. Yeah. The so atomic numbers like calcium is greater than I guess the surrounding tissue, which tends to be yeah, made yes, up yes, mostly of, course, of carbon, of hydrogen, so and oxygen. So if you compare with the surrounding tissue, where surrounding tissue is mainly organic. Well, 
organic in the sense that it's carbon and water, yeah. right, and nitrogen, right. Whereas bone, you've got a whole, you've got a more, more obviously more calcium and more yeah, phosphate. Both, both, yeah. both are high, uh, sort of higher in elemental number, right. And so, obviously, you'll see, well, you'll see, you'll see bone, right, mm-hmm. as as a much more dense structure, right, in in an X ray uh, film compared to let's say the the surrounding tissue like organs or or skin for that matter, right. right? And so, but you've also got the difference between cortical bone and cancellous bone, mm. right? You've also got the differences in bone density between people and dif- between, let's say, bone structures. Let's say if you have osteoporosis, which is, let's say, the degradation of bone, right, mm-hmm. generally, right? Uh, if you have osteoporosis, then you'll have a sort of a lighter uh, bone showing up in, right. in, in an x-ray compared to someone that's generally more healthy mm-hmm. and, and doesn't have osteoporotic bone. Yeah, and that's what the DEXA uh, makes use of when it comes up with measurements of bone density. Uh, Sorry, the DEXA uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. dual X-ray in, uh, dual energy X-ray It makes use of that when it comes up with calculations. Right? Yeah, yeah, for it does. It does. Density. It does. Yes, it yeah. does. It does. Yeah. So, like X-rays are also very important when it comes to let's say implants, as I mentioned before, with with developing materials, but also um, just metallic implants as well, right? With pacemakers. Uh, dental implants like titanium implants, hip implants and knee implants, they're all made up of essentially titanium, but some are made up of cobalt chrome. They're, they're all metals and they're obviously higher in atomic number mm. compared to, let's say, even calcium, right? Uh, compared to carbon right? and all the elements belonging to the uh, tissues. Yeah. Right? So you'll see a much more... And also they, 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 they tend to be solid. Right. right. And so you see them light see up. Big, yeah, you'll oh, see. Yeah. And uh, in fact, sometimes they might be too bright that they end up sort of creating artifacts. Right. right. Okay. Where like it, it creates image features that aren't really there, like bright lines, sort of like shining, like similar to how you look at directly at a bright light and you see these rays coming out of that source. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, you, you do get artifacts if it's too high. Right. right. And I suppose when I guess whoever the radiographers would need to adjust for that when they're setting up. I uh, would think so. Yeah. 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 So when it comes to now um, X-rays and now now that I have an understanding of how they work, when we go into how it could cause some damage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So obviously one of the major things we think about is cancer. And yeah. that is caused by its impact on uh, DNA. Yeah. And I suppose that would be because in a similar way in which uh, when it moves through other structures like bone and muscle and yeah. stuff, it would, I suppose, when it hits the DNA molecules, it would damage them. Yeah. And so you're basically destroying the DNA structure yeah. or weakening it, and then that could impact. Uh, yeah, so so with, with these, like, radiation, like some of the higher energy radiation, like gamma rays and X-rays, right, they can penetrate, right? They can right. penetrate through material, and, 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 and as they're penetrating and interacting, some of the constituent, say, atoms are interacting with these uh, radiation, right? They, they, can get, they get electrons knocked off, they get damaged, right? And so if we're looking at the interaction between, let's say, gamma rays and X-rays uh, in general, right, with, with, let's say, biological molecules like the DNA, right, these radiations can damage, right, DNA, right? And, of course, if DNA is damaged, then that there's a higher risk of issues with rep- cell replication, right, and that can lead to cancer, mm-hmm. right? And so, th- so th- the reason why I sort of talk about the penetration thing is things like visible light, they're also radiation too, but they don't cause cancer 
in the same rate that yeah. <laughs> the X-rays and Hopefully the gamma rays and yeah. also UV as well. Like UV, like is in UV. Let's go back to UV rays. Like that's the other so the, the radiation that's on the higher end of the spectrum yeah. like in terms of energy. Like along with gamma rays, X-rays, UV, and then visible light. Yeah. Right. UV. We always talk about how UV from the sun can cause cancer. Mm. Right. And how the UV can also damage the cells and, and the biomachinery inside, and in particular the DNA, as, as we said, that uh, is responsible for cell replication. Right? And if the cell replication mechanisms are out of control because of, let's say, UV damage or X-ray damage, mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, you, you have a higher risk of malignant cells right? or the cells that, can contro- that replicate uncontrollably. Right. right. And this is to do with, uh, I've heard the terms, I don't know, with the... Uh, You've delved into this, but ionizing radiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So ionizing would mean, I'm um, just assuming based on the term, that it, it ionizes, which means it knocks off electrons yeah, yeah, somehow, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, what... When you say radiation, this might be just going back to a very basic question. Uh, yeah. Apologies if that's the case. When you say no, radiation, no, no. what... I- so how do you define radiation? So that whole electromagnetic spectrum, it's all radiation? Yeah, so ranging from, like, microwaves. Microwaves are also a type of radiation. Okay. Right? Infrared and then visible light. So uh, radiation... Radio, radio waves are also um, types of radiation there, too. So radiation by itself doesn't mean it's dangerous. No, it's it the mean, energy yeah. of yes, the radiation yes, it's the energy that of the radiation. Yes, yes. Okay. it's the energy of the radiation that determines whether it can basically influence, right, um, right, whatever it's interacting with, right, and, and damaging it, right? So with microwaves and radio waves, like the way that we get TV and radio, right, they, 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 tr- they have low energy, they can travel long distances, right, they can still pass through certain things, right? Or, or uh, actually, no, they don't pass through, they, they sort of bounce around, right? right? Okay. And, and, and then hit the antenna, which we uh, sort of receive, the infor- data that we get, like it's in audio data or visual data, right? Okay. When X-rays were first built, so when we're talking about damage, they because it was such a different, it's it because of it, the capacity for its use, people used it for just pretty much anything. They yeah. had these little, probably had, I would imagine if you just discovered X-rays and you didn't know how dangerous it was, you might have throw little parties and they're like, hey, check out what I have. Put your <laughs> hand in front there. Put your hand in front <laughs> there. Put your whole face in front there. I t- uh, we, can, we can look at your skull. <laughs> so everybody's just like, woo! Um... But yeah, so for quite a while, like I've heard the stories, apparently this was very mainstream, where they used it to fit shoes as well. You'd put a shoe on, Mm. put your foot on like this, um, something that emits x-rays close to it, and then you'd see how your toes fit into the shoe. You you didn't even really need it, Mm -mm. but a lot of places show that, oh, you know, the shoemaker would be like, look, your p- toes fit in perfectly with the shoe. If the shoe, this is a perfect <laughs> size. And yeah, obviously all that just went away. You, 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 you kind of sort of, you, you, you know how if a shoe fits you quite nicely, if you just put your foot into it. You, you can, <laughs> you can. I would imagine all of this was just an excuse. Like it's, it's I would assume this was a way to add value. Unregulated just so capitalism. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> just, just, yeah, look, we got x-rays, like come and check our shoes out, yeah. you know? So somebody, yeah. some people might have done it just for the fun of it. Yeah. Like even though it wasn't really necessary. But then yeah. over time, I guess people started noticing, you know, yeah. uh, problems that came up with yeah. the uh, use, the ubiquitous use of mm-hmm. X-rays, mm-hmm. unless they were absolutely necessary. Uh, and nowadays, I would assume that X-rays are used only when absolutely necessary, and the dose would be 
uh, controlled based on the exact type of diagnostic you're trying to use it for. Mm-hmm. So I suppose for dif- depending on what part of your body you're scanning, you might use a slightly different dose, I would imagine, just so that you don't get mm-hmm. unnecessary mm-hmm. exposure. Mm-hmm. So have you never had an x-ray before? Yeah, I've never had an x-ray personally. Ever. That's insane. <laughs> I can't tell you how many x-rays I've had. But I've had CT scans as well. Maybe, but that was a while ago. So, okay, speaking of CT scans, uh, computer, computerized Tomog- tomography. Yeah, computerized computer tomography. tomography. Yep. So, what's the difference between that? Because How's a that? CT scan can actually get 3D structure. Uh, th- it, does that, th- it, it does that by taking layers. Right. Uh, like like a layer by layer image. Okay. It generates a three D image based off that layer by layer. Right. So that means the X ray, uh, the X rays would be coming in from different angles. That would mean I would think in order to get a three D image instead of just one direction. Yeah, probably. That's why you have the the the, the, the tube tubular structure of CT yeah, scans. Exactly. Right? Yeah. CT scan machines. So basically, the the most fundamental way that CT scans work is uh, they use a rotating X ray um, right. tube. Uh, and then uh, based on the, let's say, the images that it gets through, let's say, the, the processes and the computing processes there, yeah. it, it generates um, uh, slices of Im- image slices across the section that, that, that the x-rays have taken. Okay. Right. And by being able to do that, you get a more, uh, that you get a more of a 3D structure, which allows you to see, I guess when you're thinking about uh, a tumor. If you were to look at it on an X-ray, you might be able to see the tumor, but it'll appear two D, so it'll appear flat. So you don't actually yeah. understand how big it is Mm-mm-mm-mm. from a three-dimensional perspective. Yeah. yeah. So by getting maybe something like a CT, then you can see exactly from a three D perspective, like yeah. exactly how large it is, which gives you yeah. a better understanding of yeah, how and, o- and also where it is in in the let's say the Z plane or, or the Z direction or the axial direction where um, let's say if you just project an X-ray in a 2D manner, right? right? You'll see generally like how high up or high, how left and right where, where if a feature is, let's say a tumor, but it won't see the depth, like where is it? Is, it, is exactly. it closer to the front of your body or is it closer to the back of your body? Okay. Right? Uh, and so with CT scans, that helps with the 3D uh, placement or the location right. of, of these features. Okay, and uh, so CD scans would need to be, I guess x-rays can still be used for things like fractures and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so it's initial yeah. diagnostics and, uh, and also, yeah, for things like fractures where it's quite obvious what you're trying to see. Right, um, okay. Yeah. And um, speaking of fractures, um, I obviously assume since you never had x-rays before, you never ever fractured a bone. No, I've never fractured a bone, no. Um, I, I'm, I think I... No, I I don't think I've ever fractured a bone. I, I remember thinking I might have fractured a bone, but probably not. It was like when we're playing basketball, like uh, the the ball hits your pinky and like it hurts a lot. And oh you think right, you've broken yeah. the bone, but it hasn't really. <laughs> so wait, okay. So I do know uh, you enjoy your basketball. So uh-huh. while playing basketball, you never had any ankle injuries. Something. My ankles were like. <laughs> oh, I haven't. I've, I actually haven't played too much basketball, but like it's in. I I I like to play it, but in high school, okay. Uh, I played more football. Um, uh, coming into university. Okay. Uh, like during my PhD, like an undergrad as well, like lunchtime football. Right. Uh, uh, even then, haven't had too many sort of, haven't had any injuries for that man. Not even like a soft tissue injury, like an ACL sort of, uh, <laughs> like a strain or a, a sprain. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're really lucky, or you're. Well, I, I, I'm just very careful. <laughs> 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 or, 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 or just not not active enough. 
Oh, no, I'm pretty sure you, uh, you at least were at some not, point. Not, uh, were, were at some point, <laughs> yeah, 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 at some point. So, okay, now when we're thinking about fractures, now you work with uh, uh, bone yeah. tissues. Like what exactly? Like I do know this is closely connected to basically your research, right? Yeah, so so the re- the research that I sort of do is with the materials and, and uh, materials to... Uh, in uh, one, one branch of my research is to... Uh, engineer materials that are to, to help with the bone repair right? Right. or for, let's say, for critical size defects where uh, you've got a gap in the bone, you want to fill it up with some sort of material, you don't want it to be metal because there's a whole host of issues there. Right? So we want to try to use materials that are similar to bone right? Okay. Because of chemical composition. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, all right. I'm really curious to know at what type of situations you might actually need the type of materials you produce. But I guess before that, we can just uh, have a sh- quick discussion about what exactly goes on during the fracture healing process. And then we can talk about where your work actually comes into it and what type of situations it might be needed. Yeah, so so with, with, with the fracture healing, like as in, I, I think again, I'll have to sort of talk in the most sort of basic sense, right? Yeah. Like let's say you've, you've broken your bone Right. Let's say you've broken your bone. There's that initial sort of reaction that happens at the site of fracture. Yeah, the, uh, the probably what I'd imagine is you need to clear that place up first. So when oh, yeah, there's yeah, tissue yeah. injury, <laughs> the, cy- uh, the cytokine is released. And yeah, then yeah. we got some uh, uh, white blood cells coming in. Mm. And we assume macrophages and yeah. lymphocytes yeah, and yeah. monocytes and yes, stuff like that. Yeah. Just clear up the area yeah. and get ready you know, for the healing process. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so... Continue. Oh, and and then you, you get the whole sort of the, the repair mechanisms coming into play through through the the blood vessels that that are within the bone, right? Okay. And and then you've got and then you end up uh, sort of triggering a, a series of processes that end up forming fibrous tissue uh, mm-hmm. that connects the two pieces of bone if they're close together, right? right? If they're close together, and then uh, once that initial sort of connection is made, right, then the bones the cells within that region start remodeling the bone to form essentially new bo- new bone right and and right. the fascinating thing about bone I, I might have mentioned this previously the fascinating thing with bone is that it the repair processes are very well well done or the, the repair processes are very good mm. in the sense that uh it, it actually restores a broken bone into uh bone that can uh essentially undergo the same types of loading and Essentially, have like close to hundred percent repair. Right. Right. Okay. Biological. Uh, this is not really the case with even skin, right? And, and, and more particularly tendons and ligaments, right? Skin, even skin, like even if you, let's say you have a cut, yeah, right, and, and then it repairs, right? You still see that scar, right? Because yeah. it it's it, the the melanin hasn't um come into it properly. But in terms of repair, it's mostly repaired, yeah, right. And in terms of the collagen fibers being involved in, in the repair process. Uh, tendons are a totally different thing where uh, once it gets ruptured, and same with cartilage too, right? I, once they get broken, uh, because there's a lack of blood vessels uh, and the repair mechanisms isn't so sort of optimized like bone and even skin, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you, you get poorly aligned fibers within cartilage and also tendon, right? And you get weak tendon 
uh, repair, we cartilage repair, and then they're subject to further damage later down the track. Would this apply to ligaments? And ligaments as well? too. Yeah, tendons, ligaments are quite similar. Okay, yeah, because that. Uh, yeah, that that would explain why whenever like <laughs> the multiple times I've had ankle injuries, the whole stretching component and gradually getting my ankle used to the type of load it used mm-hmm. to have very carefully over mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. was so important at the mm-hmm. start just and to make sure. Yeah, that, yeah. And, and the whole sort of, let's say you injure, injure a joint, let's say an ankle or, or, or your knee, and it doesn't necessarily rupture. In the case, let's say even if you do rupture, the, the ligaments and the tendons that are involved, um, and there's some sort of repair process that happens, right? right? Your muscles tend to adapt to that as well. Okay. Right. So th- there's a bit uh, there's a bit of adaptation involved there with the surrounding tissues to help with the loading or the loading regime of, of, of the repaired let's say tendon or the ligament. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So with regard to okay, so the bone can repair itself really well yeah. because it's more vascular. Um, yeah. Generally. One of the, one of the yeah, main yeah, reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and you mentioned that it can it would revert back. Almost, I would imagine back to what it was like before it was in. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. There's, it's yeah. almost indistinguishable. Yeah, as, lo- as, as, lo- as long as the the bone has been put into place as best as possible, right? It's aligned correctly. It's aligned yes. correctly to, to what it was before. Unli- uh, like if, if you misalign the bone, it repairs as misaligned. Right, right, and then you'll have misaligned bone that is repaired um, afterwards. Right, which is, I suppose, why I had to be put under general anesthesia uh, and then uh, have uh, my uh. bones aligned properly yeah. before my ulna could repair. But yeah, so um, with regard to that, now in the case of your research where you are helping, I would imagine it is in cases of misalignment that, or when, or when you've lost bone from an area which can't be put back into place or something like that, where we need your the biomaterials to be actually connecting or bridging. Yeah. Bones. So, so if there's too much bone missing, or if uh, if there's um, let's say a gap, right. right? Critical size defect is is typically one example where the defect is bigger than the natural, the the defect or the the gap is bigger than the gap that can that the bone can naturally repair by itself. Okay. Right, so you need to f- you need a filler material. Basically, any any way that you needed some sort of filler material to uh, help with the bone repair, right? Right. You'll need these materials. Uh, one of the other aspects that I'm looking into is uh, development of bioactive cements, right? Okay. That can be used for bone repair, right? And, and so those. So what's a bioactive? What ah, is the term bioactive? So bioactive basically means, like in in the most simplest terms, right? It, it interacts well. Right, with the surrounding tissues and the surrounding cells, and helps those cells and tissues to help repair and right. help uh, with the the remodeling process of whatever tissue that you're trying to help repair. So, in in, in many cases, it's bone because bones the most established at this stage in terms of uh, the biomaterials research. Right. Right. So, the materials like calcium phosphate, calcium silicate, through the uh, and bioactive glasses, right, through the release of let's say the calcium ions, silicon ions, and any other ions that are um, uh, that can help trigger the biological processes in terms of regenerating bone, right? The material is there so that, hey, the cells recognize this as somewhat similar to bone. Mm-hmm. And so the osteoblasts or the bone cells start remote, start acting as if there's uh, bone there, right? right? And so they okay. start sort of putting bone on top of this material and, and then uh, if it's porous, it goes through and builds more bone through that. Right, okay. Yeah. So my layman's term understanding of that would essentially be like it's... Allowing your body to function as if 
you know uh, under like normal as if it were normal as if there's nothing introduced foreign nothing foreign being introduced is it yeah so uh, partially that right so with these materials they they're there to release certain chemicals or to release certain factors to help with the regeneration process right so sometimes these materials can be loaded with like bioactive molecules like drugs oh. right um that sort of deviates from the whole sort of purely synthetic materials that I'm trying to work with, where the purely synthetic materials tend to work sort of more intrinsically in terms of releasing uh, releasing ions such as calcium, phosphates, silicons, or silicates in a controlled manner to help with the the biological activity of surrounding right. tissues and cells. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. And uh, now, what's the current state of this research? Are we? Uh, is it what you're working on? Is it? close to being the research challenge right now is to really balance some of these properties of these materials that we like right so obviously you want them to be strong right that's right. that's the main uh, sort of property that you want from these materials because bone is strong right mm-hmm. and if if bone one of the main functions of bone is to provide loading right and mechanical supports you want them to be strong you don't want them yeah. to shatter like while whilst whilst they're being active of course yeah right and so, but it's also trying to, so, so if it's just, if strength is the only parameter that to be considering, then we could just be using metals, right? Yeah. But th- that's not necessarily the case because metals, right, they're not as biologically friendly as you'd want them to be, right? There, there, are, met- there are metals like titanium, mm-hmm. right? Titanium-based alloys and, and stainless steel and whatnot and cobalt chrome, right? Those tend to be used for really like, I mean, applications that really need that strength, like hip implants hip and knee implants yeah. and, and dental implants. But if, but their their purpose is not to regenerate the bone, mm. right? Their their purpose is to provide that structural uh, sort of support that either is removed surgically because you've got degenerated uh, cartilage that's very painful, and so you want to basically replace um, those those joints, right? Right. But if in in clinical applications where you do want sort of your own bone, right? To repair, uh, you you have to you want to be using these uh, materials where it helps with the regeneration, right? right. And so okay. um, there there are there are quite a few materials out there in the clinical market, like hydroxyapatite granules and and bioactive glass granules, where they, they they're more like granules at this stage, where you put them into like gaps within the within the uh, or defects within the bone or, mm-hmm. or the dental or the or maxillofacial regions, right? Uh, but of course, they don't have any structure, right? They're just there to really just support the bone growth, and so you're left, you're essentially left immobile, uh, immobile, right? Whilst the repair process is happening with these synthetic materials, and so it's to really right now, it's to really have that balance of uh, bioactivity and strength, okay, right? to essentially get the patient moving as soon as possible, right, right, okay. and, and sort of function as soon as possible. Otherwise, they just have to be bedridden the whole time until their uh, bone is repaired. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Because they can't move. Because they move, that the, 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 the implant gets shattered. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so when you're trying to combine the two, how difficult is it? Is Have you found anything promising? I Hopefully you have. There, there has been a lot of, there has been quite a, like a number of recent breakthroughs within the lab that I've been working with. All right. Um, and, and so... There are a few formulations that are currently uh, being investigated into, right, in terms of the balance between strength and bioactivity. And also, now we're looking into antibacterial properties with surgical infection is one thing, right? 
uh, if we can incorporate some of the ba- antibacterial properties into uh, these ceramics, that would be fantastic as well. Right. Uh, and also the radio opacity, the radio density that we were talking about earlier. Okay. Yeah. And these have been worked on or yeah. looked into currently in your yeah, lab? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so any animals trials coming uh, no, up in time? Not, not, not yet, not, not yet, quite yet. Not, not quite yet. Still no, need no, to yeah, yeah. work on yeah. like proper formulations. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Um, I, I guess with speaking of sort of soft tissues that we just mentioned earlier with ligaments and and um, tendons and going back to the whole X-ray stuff, mm-hmm. we can't see them under the X-ray. Well, we barely. can't see the tendons and ligaments. Yeah, we can't. Well. Barely. Is it because they are of a similar shade to surrounding tissues? Yeah, which make yeah, it yeah, that make it difficult. Yeah. Mm. So if we're checking an X-ray and we're looking for, let's say, a, a, a sprain or a strain or something, how do the doctors determine that by an X-ray? Is it just by looking at... Pro- they'll probably use an MRI. Right, okay. okay. Probably use an MRI instead of X-rays. Um, yeah, so MRI... Magnetic resonance imaging is a different type of imaging modality. Okay. Right? And, and so probably won't talk about that too much in detail today because... That's a whole that's other a whole, ball a whole game. Lot, yeah, a whole other ball game. Yeah. Now, with regard f- with regard to the x-rays, what other like applications are there? Are there applications within biomedical engineering mm. that can be used for outside of just visualizing bones? Like, of course, we got the early example of what it was used for to find out mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. DNA double helix structure, which was oh yeah, yeah, which is one of the biggest things, like that, an, another amazing finding, and they u- utilized X-rays for that. Yeah, so uh, X-rays are often they're often used to determine crystalline structures or, or the characteristics of crystalline structures, right? Okay. D- DNA is a crystalline structure, right? Because it's got repeating patterns. Uh, of uh, nucleotides. How would you define a crystalline structure? So crystalline structures basically structures at the atomic level that there is a pattern. Uh, okay. Right? And most of the materials that we know, right? Uh, actually, materials that we know generally tend to be divided into either amorphous or crystalline structures. Right. right? Amorphous structures tend to be glassy materials where there is no... Um, geometrically ordered structure. Okay. Right? Uh, but materials like metals mm-hmm. and most ceramics, right, have an ordered atomic structure. Right. Right? And, and that's predominantly based on the sort of the elements that are involved in, in the composition. Okay. Right? And we can use X-rays to essentially determine or to figure out what kind of material it is. Right? Okay. Because each material has a unique X-ray profile or X-ray diffraction profile. All right, so this is getting a bit uh, deeper into um, material characterization. Right. Right. And so, again, trying to simplify things a bit here for the for the listeners. Right. Let's say you have a material that you don't know what it is. You have a chunk of black stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. A, a chunk of black rock. Right. Let's say from Mars or, or elsewhere. Right. And you don't know what material it is. But you're fairly sure it's a crystalline material, right? Because it's not glassy, right? And so what you do is you, you sort of grind that up into like a very fine powder form, mm-hmm. right? And then you put it into some sort of specimen dish, right? And, y- and you fire x-rays at it, right? You fire x-rays at it at different angles. And so those angles uh, can range from zero to 90 degrees, like the, 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 
the direction which these x-rays come from yeah right and depending on the crystal structure depending on the structure of the material right the x-ray absorption profile differs at each angle so at zero degrees the x-rays absorb at a, certic- a particular intensity right at 10 degrees x-rays absorb at a particular intensity and so on right but of course the resolution is much finer right from zero to let's say 90 degrees but we we tend to li- generally tend to look from like 10 to 50 in terms of two theta right like using theta being the angle the angle number right, right. it goes from zero to actually i have to say zero to 180 but we usually say zero to 90 because of the two theta aspect mm. right uh and so you get a whole sweep right across the angles right. Right? and then you get these different absorption profiles absorption peaks based on the different types of angles right okay and basically, each material, each known material, has a unique X-ray profile. Right? Right. So, what you can do now, again, going back to that chunk of black rock from Mars, mm-hmm. right? You, you get an X-ray profile from that. You could compare that with the known elements, the known phases on Earth, right? And each of and, and you'll find that there's a huge database of this, right. right? Each material, each known material, each known phase of material, right? There is an X-ray X-ray diffraction profile, right, right, and so with with how this again how this works is that X-rays come from different angles, right? They they bounce off the material, and depending on the crystal structure or depending on how how the crystals are aligned, right, mm-hmm. you get different peaks at different angles. Okay, right? and, and you need to know that is a crystalline structure in order for this to work. Okay, so I- if it's if it happens to be an amorphous structure, you don't get peaks, right? right. You get a very sort of broad hill. Right, so you you end up finding later on that it's an amorphous structure, and you can't really know what kind of uh, material is until uh, unless you use other analytical methods. Okay, and so just differentiating between crystalline and amorphous, Mm. like before you actually perform the analysis, is there a way to tell, or do you just perform the analysis, see that okay, it's not a peak, it's broad, and therefore it's amorphous? Yeah, if you if you really don't know what the material is, then there's no way unless you just Fire, right. fire some X-rays at it. Okay. Right. Um, right. Yeah, and so uh, that's where, at least where X-ray analytics come into sort of the area of my research where, uh, where we look at fire materials, we en- engineer some, and we it's one method of verifying, right, that we've made the right material. Right. Right, because if we're, let's say we're trying to make I'll, I'll give a particular example here, Bagdadite, which is a zirconium-incorporated calcium silicate that has been shown to be bioactive and uh, as a ceramic. Okay. Right? Um, so th- there's an X-ray profile for that. Right. There's, there's a, so if you look at from 2 theta, 10 degrees to 50 degrees, you'll see a whole series of peaks, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there are bigger peaks at certain, certain degrees and there are smaller peaks at certain degrees. And you sort of... It's essentially like a fingerprint. Yeah. Right? And then what you'll need to do is you make your own bagdadite or so-called bagdadite, right? If you've done everything correctly, right? If you've done everything correctly, the peaks should match, right? Your your own bagdadite and the the, the bagdadite peaks in the database, right? Right. If you haven't done things properly, then you'll have these mismatch of peaks. Okay. Right. Okay. Or if there are impurities, then there will be peaks that match those impurities. Right. So you can essentially then. 
uh like you said if you get something from mars this from mars or something like yeah. that and uh you compare it to known structures with certain peaks and if it doesn't match anything it can be like wow this yeah, we've never com- seen yeah, this yeah. before it's a completely new material that it's, a, it's probably going to be a new phase because the the elements of the universe are known right so um uh what i mean by phases is different combinations of elements okay right? um uh, it, it, again, it's the, the most basic way of saying. So, um, let's say hydroxyapatite is a mater- material phase that's made up of a certain number of calcium, phos- uh, phosphorus, and hydroxyl groups. Right. right? Okay. Um, and, and so, yeah, if, if if it's completely unknown and there's no database for it, right, then you've come across a completely new material which you can name, let's say, Hamishanite or. <laughs> Or young night, or <laughs> whatever, right? Right. right. Like most most of the uh, uh, orga- inorganic materials, uh, or inorganic phases, end with ite. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Like like um like perlite, ferrite, martensite of the the stainless steel phases and uh, oh sorry the steel phases. What, what's what's a what's a ite that everyone knows? Um, granite. Um, magnetite. Magnetite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the most of the rocks tend to have an ite at the end. Right. And speaking of your the the differential capacity to absorb uh, X rays, it's uh, where my research involved one of the things at least was body composition measurement, uh-huh, and uh-huh. Uh, I used one of the uh, pieces of equipment I used was the DEXA that I mentioned yeah, yeah. before. DEXA, yeah. So just speaking on that as well. Uh, so the DEXA uses two energies of X rays. Like we got a low energy X ray mm-hmm. and a high energy X ray. And the way it differentiates between muscle, fat, and bone is depending on the radiological density. Uh, we look at the ratio of absorbance uh, between the high energy and low energy uh, X-ray. Uh, 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 so, for example, when it comes to bone, bone can impede both the low energy yep. and the high, high energy, energy X-ray. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now... Fat, if you go to the other side of density, fat can has almost no impact on the high-energy X-ray. The high-energy X-ray can easily pass mm-hmm, through. Mm-hmm. The low-energy, it can impede to a certain extent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The muscle, you know, it has a slightly different, uh, different profile for that. So those ratios between low and high energy for the different structures in your body will tell you what percentage of muscle, mm-hmm, fat, mm-hmm. bone do we have in a particular mm-hmm, area? Mm-hmm, and that's how DEXA gives you mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. values. Right. So basically using two energy sources, right? Yeah. And looking at the profiles of those two energy sources separately, yeah, combining and them to get some sort of information. Exactly. Right? And yeah. you match it up to known values, like you mentioned mm-hmm, with your mm-hmm, uh, the yeah. inorganic substances. Yeah, yeah. We know ideally what this ratio should be for pure muscle mm-hmm. or fat for mm-hmm, bone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and of course that could change slightly depending on the person's bone mm-hmm. density yeah, uh, yeah but we have an idea of what kind yeah. of ratio it should but be it could also use it be used as a diagnostic tool to see if there's too much of like exactly yeah so the dexa is actually far better at uh, although it can be used for body composition measurement it's i think an absolute gold standard when it comes to actually measuring or coming up with values for bone density mm-hmm. and uh, looking for osteopenia osteoporosis right things like that yeah yeah. So, X-rays. I, I think I think there's a, there's still a lot to be done with X-rays. I think a lot, basically, a lot of the um, current analytical and current sort of measurement taking uh, techniques use a lot of X-rays because of their utility, which is quite fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. 
and we can touch on in future like something i'd like to discuss in future is just the other at some point just the other imaging techniques yeah. that we have as well as you brought up anesthesia at some point <laughs> uh i actually yeah. heard recently that you know to a large extent it's we don't exactly know how general anesthesia works although uh. we know that it does work uh. um but how it impacts consciousness as well i mean that's a very deep topic obviously <laughs> but that was just something i found really fascinating which we can yeah. touch on at some yeah. point we so, should yeah. we should um yeah um speaking of uh injuries and 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 what not uh nba has a lot of injuries nba has a lot of injuries, injuries. Uh, and a lot speaking of, of the, and speaking of speaking nba of the nba um <laughs> warriors won the title oh um, my goodness i uh, it's a joke with my brother and some of my friends because mm. i am so into the nba and i'm such a massive golden state warriors fan uh. that i cannot watch the game till the last quarter because <laughs> i get so emotionally invested into the game that you know i just if i had hair i'd be pulling it out <laughs> all right because the swings are so like major especially with the warriors yeah, because yeah. if they're on a bad day yeah. okay suddenly they'll they have a 20 point lead and suddenly yeah. it'll just vanish in 5 yeah, minutes yeah, but yeah. if it's on a good day they are trailing by 25 yeah. and that will be just taken care of within 5 minutes yeah. so i need to just watch the fourth quarter thing, yeah. exactly i yeah. just need to watch the fourth quarter and by then you know like at least i haven't seen the swings that are going through the first right, three quarters right, right. and i'm less worried but man when the warriors won i did not expect them to win i was so elated just went straight six to the games. shop six yeah games. six games when i bought myself a curry jersey uh, and another one so <laughs> since when did you follow the warriors though i'm just wondering if you're bandwagoning no no no, no. <laughs> I, i'm not i know i'm not i've been following them since curry and clay were drafted Since because they I loved drafted. the way they played. Ah. So that was about two or three years before they won their yeah, first yeah, championship. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not bandwagoning. Right, cool. So, yeah. okay, so I just ba- love how they play. So basically when they were, dr- like, because they were drafted to, to Golden uh, State. Soon right? after they were drafted. I didn't obviously know of them, but yeah. just watching how they played. I just love how they played together. Like the fa- And it, the, the honest reason is because it reminded me of my brother and I when we used obviously not even close to that level yeah. but my brother and I my brother was the three point specialist who could you know who just ran around the court constantly like right, curry does right. and I was like a spot up shooter you know he'd do all the work uh-huh. just pass me the ball if uh-huh. somebody double teamed uh-huh. him and I'd shoot so he's so, curry and your clay exactly <laughs> and they're called the splash brothers we were never called anything of that such right. but it reminded me of how we played together and we're brothers right, so like right, it just that right. it my brother and I really connected with uh, curry and clay we just thought of them, wow you know we's played something like that you know not exactly but you know close enough right, from and, the and but standpoint but didn't really follow nba before that i did i did uh-huh. well, from the time we were you know from probably around 2000 our uh. first we were first major fans of kobe ah uh, uh-huh, yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. massive lakers fans while kobe uh, kobe bryant was playing throughout uh-huh. his career yeah. uh just you know the the mentality he brought to the game was something that's Mm-mm-mm. actually not just basketball it taught me a lot about life like my uh, a lot of my never give up attitude uh, 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 a part of it came from uh-huh, the fact uh-huh. that i used to just appreciate uh-huh. Uh-huh. what he brought in the game so much but yeah uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh. right i think i think people sort of generally our age tend to sort of have been inspired at least if they were looking at watching the nba then we would have been inspired by kobe generally yeah, a, lo- a lot of my friends as well who were watching basketball at the time they were like kobe they, they were big fans of kobe absolutely yeah. yeah yeah which is quite interesting um yeah no uh, great to chat with you uh hamish and and good to have this recorded as a podcast thanks and, a lot, and, and yeah. thank thanks to our listeners uh, and and also we we'll hope to catch up with you next week yeah sure all right i'll Stop see you guys soon. later all right bye bye bye